When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. It's me, Derek, again, and I'm going to continue on where I left off last time talking about my daily production, my numbers. My goal through all of this is is trying to be open and kind of translucent to give you guys kind of a, a peek at what things look like in my practice. I definitely don't claim to be perfect or the best. I know that I'm probably doing better than average, but I know that there's a ton of dentists out there that are better than me in so many different ways. So when I share these things, I don't want to come off as though I'm bragging and saying, look at me, I'm the bomb. But I do feel like, you know what? Hey, if I, I've got some things that I'm definitely happy to share. And if this helps anybody to make some changes and to, to grow and improve, great. I feel good about that. And of course, you know, if this leads anyone to ask the question, man, I would like some more individual help in doing this. We've always got the the TLP Academy that you can do that goes into the details of this, or there's one-on-one coaching where Justin, Steve, or I can uh, work one-on-one with you to help make those things happen. A lot of people ask what coaching is like. Typically, we start out by just once we agree to the terms and kind of we're on the same page, you'll have a few different forms to fill out. One is just about you and your goals in life, where you want to get to. And that's really important. And the other important part of that process in the beginning is trying to understand your practice as well as possible, trying to understand the systems. What are the numbers that you're hitting? What does your schedule look like at this point? What's some low-hanging fruit that we can try and immediately change to get some good ROI out of this relationship, try and see an increase in production and collections? And then after that, we'll spend an hour or two going through all of that. Everything that we do in the lifestyle practice is remote. We do not come to your office. And some people don't like that. They want a a coach or a consultant that's in your office. And that's totally fine. If that's what your priority is, then we're probably not the right group for you. But the reason why we don't do that is because a lot of times in those types of offices, when that's the, the relationship, then when the consultant leaves, things fall apart. And, you know, the staff doesn't feel accountable to anyone. So what we believe the best thing to do is to help the dentist, the owner of the practice, to really become the leader that they need to be and to make those changes. Because then when you take the coach out of the process, it's a pretty seamless transition. The staff are all accountable to the owner, to the dentist, and the dentist is the one that made those changes and really is changed through this process. And, the, and they're still there. So you should be able to continue that on. Anyway, so after that, we pride ourselves that we've never told anyone, hey, you're taking too much of our time. We need to cut back on this. We do have a contract where we kind of lay out some some basics of what are some expectations. We find that the most common scenario is that we will have monthly meetings, calls, where we're reviewing the past month's progress we're talking about any challenges or objections that have come up, making a plan, 
And then, you know, planning for the future, saying, how can we raise things, take it to the next level? That's how we work through things. By looking at the big picture goals, the vision of when you know where you want to be a year from now, five years from now, we can reverse engineer that process and say, okay, well, here's what we need to do this month, this week, today. It's a brilliant way. It's a great way of making progress and it makes a lot of sense. And it works because we see huge amounts of, of growth with those that we, that we work with and that, and that stick with it. So anyway, I'm sorry for going on a tangent, but I feel like that's important to share. And if any of you guys que- have questions, feel free to reach out to us, Justin, Derek, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. Okay, so now I'm going to get back to some of the nitty gritty questions. If you didn't listen to last week's episode or my last episode where I was kind of explaining some of the big picture things behind my daily production and that stuff, go listen to that first because all of these more technical details are not going to make sense without being in context of the bigger picture. So the next question that... uh, and I hear this a lot. What does a typical $10,000 day look like for you? I shared last time, my average is closer to 13,000, but it's not that, you know, there's not a huge difference between 10 and 13,000. Obviously 3000 is the difference. So you just got to work in things or find ways to be a little bit more productive. If you are a client, if you have paid for TLP Academy or anything, I have taken screenshots of my schedule. I'm happy to share that with anyone that, that wants to see that just send me an email, Derek at thelifestylepractice.com. Also, if you are in TLP Academy, you can go into the module on scheduling and Justin has shared his schedule on there as well and talked through a lot of those principles. So that's a great way to learn more. In my office, typically I would say that, I mean, I have two full-time hygienists, our new patients, we set aside for 90 minutes for adults for two quads of scaling and replaning. 90 minutes. So typically the hygienists are going to see anywhere from six to 10 patients a day, depending on if they're seeing kids, then, then, then that doesn't take them as long. But on my side, I'm usually going to see probably somewhere around 10 patients a day, maybe 10 to 15. It all depends on what the schedule looks like for that day. But a typical day is probably going to consist of a few crowns, maybe a root canal, extractions, I do removable. That's always nice when you get the impression for that because you charge out for that day and it doesn't take hardly any time. So kind of sprinkling those in here and there is a good thing to help for daily production goals. And then I do some implants, but not very much. And I don't do hardly any ortho. So that's kind of generally what, what things look like for me. Next question. Are you still doing two hygiene checks every hour on the hour with your busy schedule? Yes, for the most part, I am. You know, occasionally we'll have a perio maintenance patient that doesn't need an exam. And obviously I'm not going to go in if in that scenario. Biggest thing that helps me here is going in and doing hygiene checks when I have a chance. So if I have a five minute break, I'm not going to go sit in my office and get on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I'm going to go and see if I can do a hygiene check. I'm not going to wait for the hygienist to come in and tell me that they're ready. And that's been something that I've had to work with my hygienist on. They like to have everything done before you come in the op, into the op. But, you know, if you're trying to run a daily, you know, very productive and efficient schedule, you've got to find a way to work those in so that you're not getting interrupted at times when you really need to just be able to kind of hammer out the, the treatment with the patient. 
The next question is, do you often feel that you are juggling multiple patients at once or do you quickly and efficiently finish a procedure and then move on to the next one? It's a little bit of both. I mean, I only have four operatories, so I have two hygiene and two that I work out of. So, I mean, I really can't juggle that many patients. But I mean, yeah, there's definitely times where, you know, I've got to go back and forth or I'll tell a patient if we're working them in for that day, I'll say, hey, you know, we're working you in today. We'll get it done. But just know that, you know, we've already got a busy schedule. So I might have to come in and out and have some breaks in between. Patients are generally very understanding when you explain that up front. I don't think I've ever had anyone get upset. Sometimes I may have had a patient in the past says, oh, well, I'd rather just come back on a day when you're not as busy. And that's fine. But that's that's really pretty rare. Most people would much rather be there for, you know, a half an hour longer than necessary and just just to be able to avoid a second trip in the future. Hopefully that helps to answer that question. Next question, as far as my practice numbers, what are your production per hour goals? I mean, in general, if I'm trying to do 13,000 a day and I can get a couple thousand from hygiene, I need to be doing about 1,500 per hour. Technically, that's what my goal is. But really, when I look at things, I'm just looking at the big picture for for the entire day. I really don't look at it too much as far as hourly, as far as like reaching my goal for each hour, because there's some procedures that fillings, for example, take a little bit more time and they're not as profitable or, or productive. But then there's other things like an implant or even taking an impression for an implant crown or something that takes very little time and is very profitable. So there's things on kind of both ends of the spectrum. My goal is not necessarily to hit $1,500 every single hour, but just that I end up with that average at, at the end of the day or at the end of the month. I explained last time how a big part of, of me working through things is that I know that every day we're not going to hit 13000 exactly. So a lot of it comes down to on those low days when I go into the office and there's only 6,000 on the books or something, you know, if I can get it up to 10 or something, you know, I'll I'll still feel good about my effort that day. And that's going to make it easier on some of the higher capacity days where I can get the work done and I can do above my goal and try and even out. So that's a, that's a big part of the, the picture too, when this comes into play. Next questions are on overhead. The question is, do you have any tips to get supply costs down from, say, 7% to 5%? Generally, I mean, here's a few different things that you can do. And then I'll answer the question with what I really think the answer should be. You know, you can look into different buying groups where you can get discounts. And I think, you know, some of those are worth it. I'm part of one of those. I also think outsourcing that to assistants. I mean, that's something that works really well with me for only working three days a week is that my assistants have more time on that fourth day where they can be price checking and looking and and spending some of their time trying to get costs as low as possible. And they'll ask me questions if, if they need to about anything like that. But how much does that really save you? You know, if you get from, I mean, even going from 7% to 5%, that's knocking off, what, almost 30% of your supply costs. So that's a pretty good reduction. But going from 7% to 5% is only going to take save you 2% of your collections. So 
spending all that time and energy, although I do think it's worthwhile, but you spend all that time and energy on that and in a practice that collects, well, I'll just say 100000 a month, that's going to increase your income by $2,000 a month. That's worthwhile. But, and I, it's a huge but here, almost all dentists that I know that ask this question should be focusing so much more energy on how to increase in their production, going back and focusing on their treatment planning, their case acceptance, and their scheduling and their production. It is so much more likely to increase your daily production and collections by 10 or even 20%. And if you can do that, that is going to, you know, if your supply costs, yeah, I mean, obviously that's your supply costs are going to go up with it. But man, what would you rather do in a $100,000 a month practice? Would you rather save $2,000 a month or would you rather increase your collections by $20,000 a month? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's easy answer. So Yes, focus on it, but man, there are so much. When you have a practice that is running efficiently, where you're doing a good job, your team is on board, help patients understand the treatment that they need and schedule and get it done, man, that is going to make such a significant impact in your practice where you're not even going to care as much about overhead. Now, I say that, but I still love low overhead for this year so far for the first 6 months my overhead is 35% and it's it's the best that it's been but also my production and collections is the best that it's been so keep all of that in mind and and kind of keep going back to the drawing board and work on all of the things at the same time but don't spend 90% of your energy on supply costs definitely spend the majority of your energy on looking at the systems and and the flow of things in the office, looking at the scheduling and all those things that I've just mentioned. Okay. I hope that that helped there. Another question I got, did you ever struggle financially in your practice or put up big numbers and wonder where the money was or went? Yes and no. I mean, I've never had to wonder, oh, am I going to be able to make payroll this month? Uh, Am I ever, what's going to happen? I mean, I've always kept a pretty good reserve and been a good saver, not gone into additional debt unless it made a lot of sense. I'm pretty prudent in all of those ways. There's definitely been times where, you know, I'll see that we're having a good month, but it feels like my bank account is not changing a lot. And then when I go back and review, I can see, you know, it makes sense. I can see where some of those costs were and, you know, maybe that some of the costs were delayed by a month. And so it was, you know, the income that I saw in the bank account last month was not entirely accurate. But I mean, I definitely see a lot of practices where that happens. And I mean, it just all comes back to having a good accountant that you're confident in being able to check the processes in the staff, looking at accounts receivable and the overhead. If you can evaluate and answer all of those questions, that that definitely shouldn't be happening. All right, last question that I will talk about today. Can too many recalls in the schedule ever become a bad thing? What happens when you've reached your ideal vision, number of staff and number of ops and don't have enough openings in the hygiene schedule for new patients because it's filled with treatment or recalls? Yeah, this is a good question. And I think 
it's been debated a lot among different dentists that are trying to run very efficient systems. In my opinion, and I think it's safe to say that Justin and Steve would agree, the ultimate goal of our practices is to allow our time in the practice to be maximized as much as possible. So think of it this way. If we didn't need hygiene, then it would make so much more sense to just only be doing dentistry and to have assistants that can do everything and to not have any recalls. Because really the only reason that we have recalls is to try and find dentistry. I don't know anyone that is going to brag and, and say, be really proud of having you know, four hygienists and not having any dentistry to do. That seems like a relatively inefficient practice or, or system. So again, keep that in mind. Ultimately, the role of hygienist is to support the dentist, to be able to feed the dentist, to give dentistry for the dentist to do. So in that sense, yes, it is very possible. And it depends on your number of ops. It depends on you know how many hygiene checks per hour you can do. But there's ways to work around that. Some things that I've worked with different clients on is, you know, sometimes we've changed recalls from six months to eight months, or you can, you can have anywhere from six months to 12 months based on the carries risk of different patients. And that's, that's totally reasonable. And that's a way to be able to keep a higher patient base without them filling up hygiene too much. There's a lot of different options. I mean, obviously, one way is if you're really slammed and you don't, I mean, you can just not schedule recalls and just tell the patient, yeah, just call us back in six months when you're ready for the next cleaning. And obviously, patients are going to fall through the cracks like crazy. So I don't know that I've ever recommended to anyone to do that, but I'm just using that as an extreme example to say that it's your practice. Don't let yourself get forced into a situation where you're miserable and not profitable. Everything in the lifestyle practice comes back to what is your ideal lifestyle? What do you want your life to look like? When we know that, we can reverse engineer the practice to support that and to help create that. So don't lose sight of that. Don't ever let somebody say, well, your practice has to run like this. There's too many people out there saying, well, it's got to be this way. You know, there's no other option. It just doesn't make sense. So keep that attitude. I hope this episode was helpful in getting some insight into, you know, how I would address some different situations and how you can help your practice to reach the highest production possible. The only other thought that I was going to share is just that I forgot that I was going to say this. So when I say that, you know, my average overhead for this year is 35%, so far, that's a combination. It comes down to a combination of having good case acceptance, having hygienists that are good at taking intraoral pictures and talking to patients about treatment, you know, having all of those systems in place so that patients feel comfortable in my office, trying to treat people well, having good Google reviews. All of that goes towards increasing your case acceptance rate. And then the next step is scheduling, having the most productive schedule possible and finding ways to maximize your time in the office. The other part of the equation is looking at your costs and finding out how you can lower costs. In my opinion, those are the three biggest things that you can do to reach that low overhead number. So I hope that's helpful. 
hope that you guys can apply some of those things in your practice. And I'd love to hear about it. Again, feel free to reach out to any of us or post on our Facebook page. We will see you guys later. Take care. Never break a sweat Cause I live my life Like it's all I can